Welcome to the pod, everyone. Bit of a, a shout out to SGS, who uh, myself and Fletcher are going to do a little bit of work with. Um, hopefully, make it the uh, most uh, innovative, uh, impactful, effective coaching qualification in the country, industry ready, um, experiential, backed up with all the science and the evidence stuff. Um, and just a brief word from them beforehand. SGS College is the home of Bristol's higher education sports programmes. The programmes are designed to develop unique, innovative and creative sports practitioners ready for industry. Do you want to be a coach or teacher of the future? Start your journey here at SGS College and become more than just a graduate. Visit sgscol.ac.uk to apply now. Cool. So Rusty live on the pod all the way from Melbourne again. So Laura Mossman, you join a small number of people. I think it could just be you and Amy Price that have done a second pod. So uh, how are you? How's Australia treating you? Well, first of all, Rusty, I'd like to say I'm very honoured because I didn't realise that I'm one of a, a very small number of people that have actually been asked to chat to you twice. And um, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. So thank you for including me on that uh, shortlist. Um, Melbourne, yeah, we're doing well out here at the moment. Um, Yes, I'd say uh, in terms of perhaps some of the rest of the world, Australia, um, in terms of the uh, COVID situation is doing very well and my kids are back at school. So I actually work from home in, you know, a decent space now. Nice. I've been teaching my, my um, I was going to say students from, from my bedroom, my laptop in my bedroom on, a, on top of a chest of drawers for most of the semester. So... <laughs> Nice, and you finished on Friday. You fell off the cliff. It's very good that you've yeah. recovered by Thursday for uh, to hang out. And I'm a little bit nervous. I'm not going to lie. You just described this as a parent-teacher interaction. So I sent you uh, just to give everyone a bit of context, and I'm sure we'll uncover even more about Laura Mossman. Um, I sent you a couple of videos of some of the stuff I've been doing. You've get you've said to me, do you want to gamify this podcast? It sounds like we're going to. You've also got some cards. That sounds exciting for me. Um, and so I feel like I'm on the spot a little bit, to be honest. So uh, how do you want to start the pod, Lara? What would be a good way to start it? Well, I thought we could start by diving straight into Rusty's report card. How would you feel about that? <laughs> I feel really good, actually, I think. Having not seen it, have you sent it to my parents already? It will be in the post. I was just going to go through with you, first of all, some of the um, the issues that came up. Oh, oh. <laughs> nice. I am joking. Um, so what I thought I'd do is just, I picked four sort of areas of coaching that I looked at because obviously, you know, could only focus on so much at a time and they're all areas that are really positive by the way before you absolutely panic um did you put your hand up then rusty what was that <laughs> i didn't know if you put your hand up to ask a question no, or, I, put my hand up carry on. I was doing a fist bump oh cool okay good i better, better make sure i spot the difference there um, so the first area that I was going to talk about was um, attuning. So establishing an environment that um, really tunes into kind of like creating a space that your athletes or the people that you're coaching can really enjoy. Um, so I just wondered if we think about the video, could you just tell us a bit, first of all, about the context of the video? So it's you in a hall, um, bunch of coaches, a lot of people, um, or seven aside, two seven aside teams of adults. So, can give us a bit of the context around that? Yeah. So, um, well, this is this is dragging my memory back. So, it was just pre-COVID in Canada in a sports hall. So, we were kind of limited for space. It's it was coach development. Um, I think there were some coaches and some players playing. So, kind of a mixture, older players with coaches and some coaches who still play. Some people observing, noticing, and, and hanging out with us. And I think we were playing some kind of hybrid game anyway, because the sports hall would limit our ability to 
played rugby, so I think we were playing a game uh, where you were allowed to pass the ball forwards a certain number of times as well. But uh, that's that's my recollection from that evening, uh, Laura. Pretty accurate recognition from from my observation of your coaching too. I um, I just wasn't sure entirely of the whole context of it. So yeah, adults, you were coaching adults. It looked, to be honest, I think you did a great job. It looked like a lot of fun. I wanted to get in there and have a go. Um, do you ever get tempted to do that? Um, people who know me would know I'm the, one of the most competitive people ever. I would if I joined in, I would ruin the game. I would take over. I would be solving everyone's problems. I'd be telling people what to do. So I tend to try and avoid joining in. Uh, I actually have to think about where I stand. So I, I'm not tempted to join in. Um, so yeah, it's probably wise <laughs> that I don't join in. Yeah. So you had a GoPro on, so I couldn't actually see you, but I could see what you were looking at and I could hear what you were saying in the footage that you sent me. And one of the things I picked up on that I really enjoyed was that you um, gamified your coaching, which I know is something that you're um, a huge advocate for. Yeah, so I've obviously been influenced a fair bit by Amy Price. I've recently been looking at some of the work of James G. I actually emailed him last night to see if he would do a podcast because I think some of the stuff's pretty inspirational. I love the fact he's from a kind of a philosophy background, which kind of fuels my biases a little bit as well. So, yeah, I've just been playing around with, and that's probably like nine months into video game design, as Amy Price would call it, gamification, as I cheekily call it. Um, uh, and, yeah, just to maybe get the players thinking, to show them some stuff they might not have seen before, to get coaches to go, how can I put this into my coaching? So... I guess the other piece of context that's often useful is that I tend to throw a lot in. So because you have an hour, an hour and a half, two hours with people, then then you kind of want to show them some stuff and they can make a decision on, on where it might fit in with their coaching or whether or not it just doesn't fit in with their coaching. So I think it's up to them to kind of, with my support, to translate it into their world if possible. And I think that's what was very enjoyable to watch your, your coaching session because of the, the way that you were gamifying it. Um, and I think the, the gamifying is one way that you can attune your sporting environment, if you like, to the athletes to make it fun for them and to um, really make them feel like it's being tailored for them rather than there's an environment they have to come into and they have to adapt to it. It's like adapting the environment more to suit what would be enjoyable for the, for the athletes. Um, one thing I did pick up on that you did, which was a nice touch, you started open, you opened the session with humour, um, you know, using jokes, you told a few jokes to uh, set the tone as relaxed from the offset for the coaches, which was great. My only observation there, which I've noted on your report card, is that um, your jokes do need a little bit of work. <laughs> Yeah. I was particularly unimpressed by your joke about people who play soccer. Pick an easy level is something you found out. Yeah, that's... Any uh, comments? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, so apologies for my dad jokes. I usually try and tell really bad jokes at the start so that everyone is comfortable that I'm, I'm cool with getting stuff wrong. The other thing that I do that you kind of noted there is, so... I always give people the kind of option of do you want the easy level or the hard level? I kind of want them to self-select. They usually, as you've probably picked up, unless they play football, they pick the they pick the hard level. In football, generally people pick the easy level. And so I'm really intrigued by it. But but I like the fact that I can go, oh, okay, you guys pick the hard level, that's cool. But does that mean you're up for some challenges? And then to get them to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I've already got one team bought in. And they can then maybe have a conversation with the other team and go, oh, these guys think it's going to be easy against you. They've picked the hard level, seriously. I mean, if I was on your team, I wouldn't be. Anyway, it's up to you guys type stuff. So I would want to kind of, yeah, just introduce that competitive element quite quickly into the session. 
That's cool. And um, I did notice on that you do introduce quite a lot of rules. So throughout the video, you sort of build in different rules and have points where um, there's quite a number of rules that are all sort of, um, when I say rules, I mean, I don't know if you call them rules, but you know when you're throwing in things like uh, you're only allowed one catch as a, um, as a, one pause, sorry, as a cheat, if you like, those sorts of rules. Did you, did you want to say more about some, what, about doing that? Yeah, so it's something I'm really mindful of. Once again, I'm always kind of, I can't remember if I did it on this video, but I'm always mindful of the fact that I, I, I put a lot in because I kind of want to give people some stuff they might that might resonate with them. Um, interestingly, and actually, I thought they they actually did really well given the the, the number of changes and the, and the different scoring systems and stuff. Um, when I ask kids versus adults, generally the kids are pretty cool with it being dynamic. The adults are a little bit stressed out sometimes. Maybe we've just we've just had an experience that hasn't prepared us for that well enough. Um, yeah, so, and then I guess the other thing with that is, um, yeah, I'm just mindful of kind of, I've also got to, as a coach, probably get better at, and I know you said you listened to the Sally Needham uh, podcast, are just helping support the people that this is a challenge for. So is it a whiteboard that gives them some kind of, reference point or structure to their session is it the fact that i go and have some individual interactions with the people i notice that are finding it hard uh, this is all stuff that's definitely a work on for me because my biases and you know i would be as i said i would be the one solving the problems trying to sort it out give me another challenge rusty i'm all in type stuff and and, and that's definitely not everyone so um yeah I'm, i am mindful of it I, I try to, and once again, I'm, 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 I try to, I'm working on it. I try to kind of get permission before I do stuff. So, are, you know, are you, keen for a, are you keen for a bit of a challenge? Or are you, are you curious as to what I might be thinking of that would help you type stuff? Uh, the reason with the, so Amy has her kind of, uh, uh, her C's, so cheat, challenge, change type stuff. And, I'm, I'm, and they were cheating every time. So I think I remember I, re, I just kind of changed it up a little bit and said, look, you can only use the cheat once. Um, they were quite a competitive group, if I remember. So they were definitely cheating. <laughs> there was a bit of that going on, definitely. I think what you've raised there is such an important point, is knowing where the group are at and all but also not just the group as a whole but individual players um too so um you know one thing that you can consider if you don't know the group too well would be to actually observe at the beginning as well so just have them playing for a period of time and observe and see who looks less sure or confident and who looks like they're you know the rusty of the group and taking the lead and control um, and then add the rules in. And if particularly um, some of the research does point to certain, particularly we're thinking about children, if they're um, not competent at the sport, sometimes those sort of things can actually un really undermine their confidence as well. So even like you've just identified spotting who might be um, more on edge by those kind of um, and thinking about scaffolding in some of those rules so um, gradually building up the um, rules of the game or the um, cheats uh, that they're allowed to use those sorts of things um, so they get the hang of one at a time you know as they go but that really depends the group you were working with were pretty well highly competent looking at them um, but you know it depends on the level of skill level that you're working with um, so yeah. I'm going to gamify this can I, just, oh, so you go. can I just add to that? Sorry, Laura. So, um, so it might not have come out on the GoPro. I would always watch before. So it's a really good nudge to me. I would always kind of go, look, you guys get a game going or you girls get a game going or, and then notice kind of what's meaningful to them, how they interact, who, who's kind of on the periphery, who's in the center, um, who's interacting with who, how do people turn up? So, do, you know how do they walk through the door i think that's important 
And then the other thing is I'm, I'm really mindful, I'm becoming more mindful of the, of the person that isn't yet competent, but actually what are my solutions there? What could I have a check-in with them before the session just to see, you know, what they'd love to do today? What would make it a great session for them? How can I help them? Um, and then I wrote some stuff down that I don't know whether I did in the session. I do way too many sessions, but I would often try and create peer-to-peer -peer moments for them, but real kind of subtle ones, not like, you know, really embarrassing ones. I would, we used replays in that session. So giving people another go at something would be useful. I think that happened a few times where I used the coach's replay. And also if I recall that session, like my use of a second ball, to help someone have some moments that would kind of make them realize they can do some stuff. Uh, and then hopefully off the back of that, they're, they're willing to go and try some more stuff. So yeah, it's something I'm mindful of. The other thing I thought about when you said it, Lara, is always like, if you're coaching on your own, it's really different to if you're coaching with other people. So, so that's, I think that's quite a hard skill to do for coaches on your own when you are perhaps, you know, organizing stuff, you know, often, you know, and maybe we should relinquish the keeping score and the, and the time and all that stuff. But I, I do think if there's some parent helpers or there's another coach with you, um, or you have some players that you feel would be good at almost being coaches as well, which has happened to me a couple of times, um, then it, you can just be more effective, especially with the people that, that need your help the most. And on that, you've also made me think about the importance of setting up an environment that is safe to fail in and saying, you know, if we make this in this, that's cool. Um, you know, and because I know certainly people like me, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, we had PE strikes in the UK. So the amount of attention, especially females back then were getting, you know, coming through the system was pretty low. So my first real um, trying to get into team sport was at university and just trying to build up that confidence was being in a space where I knew that if I made mistakes, I wasn't laughed at and it was okay um, to do that. So I think that's another aspect that can be quite helpful with less confident people. Yeah, some stuff I'm thinking about there, Laura, is... Uh, signposting it so as you said look today is about you know we're just going to try some stuff we're going to remember the best bits we're going to delete all the bits that we didn't enjoy we don't care about them um, even just your language so something I heard Eddie Jones say before one of the England games was we're making all the right mistakes to do really well at the weekend which is a great way of putting it um, and then I don't know whether I did it on this video, they all kind of melt into one, was um, just separating decision-making from execution. So if someone's made a great decision and hasn't gone so well, then cool decision, like seriously. Um, do you want another go? Should we have a replay? So I think my reframe to coaches is, is when you're saying, re when you're saying unlucky, you probably mean replay. So instead of just going, oh, unlucky and something disappears into the ether, perhaps, not always, sometimes you might want to um, give that person the opportunity to have a replay if they want to. That's awesome. I, I love that. I just made a note, a note of what you said there. Poor um, great call decision and poor execution. That's fantastic. Um, now, Rusty, I was going to gamify this chat. I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but I couldn't help myself after watching your wonderful video. Um, and I've got the um, Magic Academy cards, um, maybe the only set in Australia, I don't know. No, there's um, not in Australia. I've decided in order to uh, get to the next or unlock the next level of your Rusty's report card, I need you to answer one question for me off um, one of your cards and i've chosen the cards to unlock the levels from the environment challenge section because that's the one that really appeals to me um and so are you ready for your first question i'm very ready thank you laura so one of the your card says tell two jokes during the my question to you 
best hell in a session if you can remember one. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> uh, the joke I always tell, so there'll be two jokes, two jokes that I, I often tell. One is, uh, what time does Andy Murray go to bed? Tennis. And the other one is the one where I pretend that someone was trying to become the um, snail racing champion of the world and they got a bit marginal gains and they took the shell off, but the snail was actually slower because it was a bit sluggish. I haven't heard that one. Does that go down well with your players? Uh, not that often. <laughs> Maybe they should send you a joke book then for, <laughs> for Christmas or something. Um, thank you for that. You have unlocked the next section of your report card. Um, well, we're going to be talking about choice um, because choice is one way that we can help players feel that they're not being controlled in their environment so much. Um, it's a bit complex because we don't want to offer players too much choice that they feel, don't feel overwhelmed. Um, and that can happen to those players that um, particularly we've talked about that maybe at the less confident end of um, because they don't understand the options that they're being presented with, for example. Um, and in your video that I watched, you gave some great examples of choices. So you'd say things to players like, do you want the hard or easy option? Okay, so you tagged it on with the joke about the soccer players, but <laughs> you still gave them choice about the hard or easy option. Um, you said at points something like, um, what do you think? Should um, it be one person touching them or two? Um, so you, were, you did involve the players in your session around thinking about how they wanted to structure the rules of the game, which was really um, fantastic to see. Um, but as I've mentioned earlier, sometimes that, the group you were working with, that worked fine because they understood a lot of the, they were quite a competent group, but... Um, if you're working with less competent people, um, I'd consider um, in some cases, like there were some cases where you uh, were rules that you were using. So it's just like, what do you want to do? And it can be helpful to narrow your choices down to meaningful choices. Um, so maybe just a couple of choices. And not only that, but then giving the players a rationale for why those choices are meaningful. So, for example, um, yeah, it might be if, if we do one touch, this is how it will affect the game. So we might be working on speed of decision making then. If we go to two touch, then this is, you know, you might have to get more defensive thinking because you've you know, got more time on the ball or that sort of thing, depending on this. I'm doing it from a soccer example or football example there. Um, but that was just one observation I had. You do that um, quite, quite a number of points throughout the video, um, but there are some points where it's a much more open question, um, which works with a competent group. But yeah, it's just an observation if, if that group hadn't been as competent. So I just wondered what your thoughts are on that. Uh, I love the way you translated it into soccer and understood the why. So top work, Lara, you are killing it. Um, I think you've had a real impact on me. So. I remember vividly you saying um, the number one behaviour for coaches to dial up around motivation is choice. I hope I, um, I'm explaining that correctly. Um, however, and I'm with you, so based upon the group, it might be. So I know my daughter well. I'm not going to ask my daughter what time do you want to go to bed because she'll say 3am. Um, I might say just go to bed now or in 10 minutes. So... If you stay up for 10 minutes, then you get to read for 10 minutes. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's knowing your group. It's, it's, it's listening to them. It's noticing how they react to choice. Um, something I get a little bit with the teenage boys is that they often want to use the choice to make it easier for them. So I will often, at that point, then give them, look, we've got 10 seconds. Do you want this one or this one? Three, you know, five, four, three, two... Because um, they've wasted, not wasted, they've spent an, a minute coming up with the fact that every time they get the ball, the opposition fall over and they score a goal. And I'm thinking, no one's getting better from this one. So um, you had real impact on me. I quote you lots. I reference it lots. I think it's definitely changed my coaching. Um, I'm really comfortable with it. I discover loads from it. So most of my best ideas 
come from the choices of other people, usually the kids. Um, and so, and then I can take credit for it. How good's that? That's great. And and you've raised something there that I think is a really important point to make here. So with the choice being number one, it was number one on a list of things, not necessarily number one in order, because um, they all kind of matter and they all go, sometimes you can't disentangle them from each other. They kind of paired off or grouped together um, in that sense. But what you've touched on is the coach should still be setting rules and limits. So you use that bedtime example. Um, you know, you're not saying when do you want to go to bed? And like you said, 3am, you set the limit. So I'm okay with my daughter going to bed at 8 o'clock or 8.30pm. Um, if she goes to bed at 8.30pm, this is what I want to see happen. So you're still in control of the limits that are in, in that environment. And it's the same in your sporting environment. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be they go for a hard or easy option. Maybe both options are hard if you're really trying to stretch the players, but they're just hard in different ways. Um, and so you can also, it's not about relinquishing all of the control over to the players, but it is, you can structure, in fact, the structure is really important, um, and control um, the choices in that way and provide them with the rationale, but even them having a sense that they had some control over their environment um, can help a little bit not to feel like they're so... Um, controlled in everything that they're doing so the the setting limits can be an important part of that piece and that's a good nudge to me around language so i do say hard or easy level the easy level isn't easy but it's definitely the hard or the easier level so you're on the harder or the easier level but yeah they're both they're definitely both tricky to be honest yeah and, and so maybe that's a framing it'd be like if we do this we're developing this skill at the moment if we do the other option then we're developing this other skill at the moment so it's like what we're you know how will those choices impact what we're learning um you know to motivate us to to try hard at them because we sort of see what the out what the outcome is we're trying to get to um so yeah that's just one observation anything you want to say before i get you to uh try and go up the next level uh, no, it was just interesting. So I remember our talk about this. So the, the bit that really struck with me was the choice. And then the flip side was the punishment. I think your language is punishment. So what does that mean? And, and what have you noticed around coaching and uh, whatever punishment is that you think is unhelpful? I, I'm not an advocate of punishing athletes for pretty much anything, to be honest, especially young, young people. I think it's unhelpful in terms of motivation. Um, you know, if we want to encourage young athletes to, to feel a sense that they're in control of their own um, development, in, you know, by and large and everything, then uh, punishment really just says that, you know, you're not doing what I wanted, so you know, I'm going to control your behaviour in this way. So it's very much externally controlled and it's controlled by usually the coach or, you know, the parent. Um, so in that sense, uh, there's no time I would think punishment really had a place in the sporting environment, really. I think it does. I didn't see you punishing anyone in your videos, by the way. No, after after I stop recording, I punish them all. Um, uh, no, no, no. I'm I'm with you. I mean, however, what I do see is lots of kids who are doing often physical punishment. So I play a lot of games where we might go, look, let's come up with a meaningful consequence for this game, and people will immediately go to our oh, burpees or. And it's, and it's stuff that they have to do versus, well, we'll sing a song or we'll do a dance or whatever it might be. Uh, I quite like that there's, there's something at stake in the game, uh, but I want it to be playful. Um, and then the other thing, I, I'm kind of observing coaches do terrible coaching sessions and then punish the kids because some balls go down and I'm thinking, well, taxi, you're coaching. Exactly. And, and then the kids are probably eleven or something like that, and they're making them think that they should have played better than professionals who, you know, never make mistakes, do they? Um, yeah, I, I really 
the thing I think the scenario that you've given me that's not really like you're saying they're choosing to do burpees or something like that is pretty easy to throw around and say it's a bit of fun um, and you know what they really help with your fitness anyway um, or something along those lines rather than it feeling like you've done the wrong thing as a you know clear punishment and you didn't perform in the way I wanted you didn't please me um, you weren't doing what I asked, so therefore you have to do the burpees. I think that is really, you know, when I'm talking about avoiding that sort of thing, um, that that's kind of where I put it. When What you've described, I'd say, is, again, it's sort of gaming and it's making something fun, like there's, you know, a stake to play for um, in that sense. And as long as you keep in control, it doesn't get out of control and I think sometimes what I've seen is coaches maybe always putting the same kids on the same team so every training session it's you know here's my favorite players in this group and another group of players over here um, and the other group constantly being the one that's being missing out or having to do the burpees and things like that then that doesn't feel just or fair um, and you know so those sorts of things I think could be mindful of and watch for. But when it's like you're describing, it's gaming, it's, you know, it can be quite, and it's structured in a fun way. I think that's a key. Yeah. The other thing I've kind of been playing around with recently, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen or heard of some of the Steve Rolnick stuff around taking the eye feedback. So even to the extent that, you know, he, he would say, you know, so often I'll go, oh, I love the way you do that. But actually to maybe go, that, that must have taken real courage to do that. Um, so it doesn't become them almost looking to, you know, dad or coach or for, for affirmation as opposed to it being internal to them. And what, are your, what are your thoughts on that as well? I 100% agree, agree with that. I think the danger when you say something like, you know, well done, you did exactly what I wanted you to do there. Um, those kind of phrases or, or that kind of feedback to players says to them, and when you don't do what I want to do, you should be feeling guilty because you didn't please me or somehow you've let me down, you know. So you're, it's what we'd call introjected kind of regulation that you're setting up in that scenario, which is that guilt pride kind of flavor. It's really the guilt aspect of it. Or, and, and it can create anxiety and things like that because the, the player is then externally controlled. They're only doing the action because they get the coach, um, you know, you know, telling them, yes, you did what I asked you to do. Um, so other ways, you can still comment on really good passages of play, for example, by just saying to a player, um, you know, tell me about that decision you made there. What, you know, why did you make that decision? You, know, you can get them to explain it in front of other players and they can share the rationale themselves, if you like, behind why they've, why they've done something in a certain way. And you can say, that's, that's really great. I think that's really, you know, Good thing that we can all focus on working on that sort of thing without having to bring the coach necessarily even into you know you as the coach's ego if you like into that example does that make sense laura i think you've unlocked the next level with that uh, with that beautiful uh, example and explanation thank you um so i'm now going to see if you can unlock the next level rusty so so from your magic cards, let's go back to those. Um, you um, have a card that says, let players coach each other in a new skill. Um, what types of things do players usually um, pick when you give them this card or choice? So let players coach each other a new skill. Um, okay, so I'm gonna give the best example I've got. Um, which is which is ex probably extreme. So uh, when I was in um, Boston, um, I had a co-coaching part, and one of the kids said, "Could I be co-coach?" And so he had a secret mission. His secret mission was to catch other people doing stuff well and then stretch them. So what he did at eight or nine years of age, can't remember which one, and he was one of the best players. He'd go up to, so let's say Lara did something well. He'd go up to Lara, give you a high five or a fist bump, go, you know, must have taken real courage to do that. He, he might not have taken the eye out of feedback just yet. He's like, I, I love the way you did that. Do you reckon you can do it again? Or do you, you know, do you think you can do it a couple more times? 
And so that's the best example I've got. That was a eight or nine year old kid um, playing football. So you'll be pleased about that. Um, what I tend to do is, is, is pair people up maybe or put them in this or say, look, go and grab some of the opposition who you think might want to work on something you, you want to work on as well, or get in a small group and then just get them to find something meaningful to them. Now I am comfortable that it might be a, a pass. It might be a, non-dominant hand pass it might be communication it might actually be my scanning skills it might be actually my ability to be a really good teammate it might be do you know what why don't we both practice leading a huddle uh, and and then i'm here to support or they're there to support each other so i've seen a whole variety i would i'm comfortable with anything really what's meaningful to people but i've seen both the actual action type stuff pass kick stuff but I have also seen um, some of the probably higher order stuff around communicating and scanning and awareness and decision making. Have I achieved the next Lovely. level? Thank you, Rusty. You have unlocked the you have unlocked the pod. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Rusty, we're now on the next level, which is um, providing a rationale to your players. And this we have touched on with choice because, as I said, the behaviours um, kind of all come together. They're not necessarily distinct. But there were a couple of examples in the video that you sent me that I thought were really, um, you know, nice examples I thought were worth sharing. And one of them was... Um, you know, you changed the rule of the game at one point to two touches and you explained that it's um, too easy for the attack if you, um, if you didn't do that. So you just, it's really quick. One of the things um, coaches say, sometimes say to me is, you know, I've got so much going on when I'm coaching, I don't have time to do this. And I'm like, a rationale can just be as simple as you demonstrate in that example. So it's just not only are telling the players there's that change, so, yeah, I think you wanted to. Yeah, so um, actually my bias would be not to give them the rationale. Um, so I'm aware of that. So my bias would always be to make it a bit like the match and give some information to some people because the reality of a game of rugby is at no point does everyone on the pitch know the same stuff. So my bias would be normally to go, right, just tell one team, or you, you, it's going to be two-touch. Don't tell the opposition. See how quickly they adapt. So there's two things that were at play with me explaining it. Either I was in a rush trying to get stuff done, um, or, and much less likely, I thought this group needs a rationale. My preference is always to help people discover it, and to see if, so I'd probably tell, let's say one team was struggling, I might tell them, here's the new rule, see if the other team adapts, so you can give them some feedback. Because I want to I want to create some awareness stuff. Um, and I probably want to even games up. I'm generally trying to even games up so they're, they're a bit more competitive. Um, so you've done well to catch me with an example where I've provided rationale. Well done. Uh, it's definitely something, having listened to, and to Sally Needham a lot, it's definitely something that I've become more mindful of. So I think the example she gave me was like, if there's a kid going, Rusty, Rusty, what's next? Rusty, what are we doing next? What's coming next? And I go, it's okay. You'll be fine. Well, that kid's not fine because they're still going. They're thinking, well, what's happening next? I need to know what's next. So they can't kind of do the stuff they want to do because their brain's elsewhere. So I think, um, Probably another thing I've tried to do more of with this is to have a whiteboard. Maybe that has maps out some of the stuff that might happen so that it gives people a reference point as well. If for any reason, you know, I've not explained stuff as well as I could. I can refer back to that. There's a couple of points I'd like to make on that. One of them is give the rationale. 
retrospectively behind it, or it's going to be about discovering, um, you know, the slide. And afterwards, um, saying, well, what do you think the purpose of that drill was? What do you think it was developing? Um, and even give you at that point because they covered it for themselves. So that's kind of a, you know, flipping it on its head and a, a cool way of doing it. Um, I would look at the, the motivation levels also in that. So if they're really into that, and because and you were working with a high school group in that video, you could see that they would be able to work that out. Um, but again, level of competence. So if the players are maybe um, less competent, that might be complete. They might get completely lost in that because they don't understand why they're doing it. And I would bring that back to saying, have you ever had a job where you had a task in that job that you had no idea what the point of that task was or why you had to do that? Um, yes, under Dean Ryan, correct. <laughs> and how does it feel when you've got no idea why you're doing the things you've been doing? Uh, I mean, we got asked to do some tasks that were ridiculous, quite frankly. Um, and it just used to do my head in because I was wasting my time and I didn't see how it connected up to our purpose. Yeah. And that, that would be my point at this stage is to say, um, you know, Kids are no different. They, if they understand why they're doing something, if it's clear to them, you know, what, what skills they're developing in that activity, it guides for them. But even when you think about your example, the example I mentioned earlier where you're flipping it, um, you know, there can be, the purpose of this drill is for you to discover for yourself, um, you know, X, Y, or Z. And so, Again, you can give them that, but then also bring a rationale in at the back end. So sort of tail end it at the back end with, um, you know, so what do you think the purpose of that what that drill was? And what do you think that rule changed? So there's one point you had a, a banking um, a option for the players. Um, so they could touch the ball to the floor to bank their points. And it's like, um, you did a great example of questioning around that activity in the video and you're asking them, you know, like, what's the impact? So, so why does that matter and how does it affect the game um, to get them thinking for themselves rather than you doing the thinking for them? Yeah, I would want them to be doing the thinking. They'll be very uh, pleased a lot that you're, that you're calling them highly skilled. Um, <laughs> um, they, um, and the other thing, uh, and to pick up on what you said about actually allowing them to discover the new rule versus me telling them, I don't see it as, as I think you've explained it, it's not zero or one, like there's shades of colour in the middle, so there's a bit where I might tell them, do you know what, um, actually the other team have got a different rule, I wonder if you can work it out. Or there might be a, a moment where I actually pull someone out and stand and chat with them and go, look, when you step out of the game, can you see anything different? What have you noticed? Oh, cool, yeah. Do you think you, do, do you want to call a pause and tell your teammates? Do you think that would be useful? Type stuff. So I don't see it as zero or one. I see it as there's kind of different levels of scaffolding around this stuff. And I see my job as a coach to notice, like, okay, this has happened. So what are they? What are they spotted? What haven't they spotted? Who's looking in the right place? If they've seen it, have they told someone? Why not? And to just help support them as and when. So, look, and sometimes I might just let it play out for a really long period. Other times I might think, well, this is going to be really useful for this group to discover this now. And someone's discovered it. I just need to scaffold them with the sharing information bit. and Because actually they're not going to get to that stage in the next hour or whatever. So I'm not... Like I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm, it's just not zero or one for me. Yeah, but that, that's you know, it's not supposed to be that you're doing this 100% of the time either. It's just the more of these kind of things you can bring into that environment, the more um, players are going to feel like they have control in that space and they understand sort of the purpose behind being there. And even with the rules, when you throw them in, like in your video, you are giving them examples as to why that matters like what's the point of that role it's not just for the sake of having another role um, there's a reason you've introduced it and you do kind of 
um, make that very clear for the players, I think. Well, thanks for your approval, Laura. I appreciate it. Approval, but anyway, it's on the report card. Um, so, are you ready unlocking Christian magic cards for you? I'm ready. I'm ready for the next level. I'm keen. What values um, do you look for in players, and why? Oh wow, that's a very, very deep question. Um, uh, well, where do I start? Um, I think I will be trying to find out what's um, meaningful to people, what they what they value, what's important to them. Uh, definitely, as opposed to me, I probably need to be more aware of biases around stuff like. So, talk a lot about like perhaps the kid that isn't working that hard. So, I might notice that and assume that that kid doesn't value hard work, but that might just be my terrible training session or the environment I've set up or the fact that that kid doesn't feel belonging. So um, I think, I mean, look, it's, a, it's probably a very deep conversation with kids. Uh, I'm definitely trying to be curious about them, find out about them, what's, what's their story, what's been their highest moments, uh, when have they had tough times, have they... Have they come through them? Who are their favourite teachers? Who are their favourite coaches? Why? Um, I think I'm trying to build up a, a picture that will might help me um, better with my interactions with that person. And, and same again, just being comfortable, probably also going, look, what, what have I done that's helpful today? Or what was really unhelpful? Um, and just generally trying to, as quickly as possible, because... Um, and I love Suzanne Brown's kind of, we're the architects of each other's brains. So, you know, one or two interactions can be significant either way. So probably trying to find out stuff as quickly as possible. Um, soft, it's obviously harder in an environment where you just come and do a one-off session. So that's another reason why I do the, the bit you spoke about where they'll, they'll start the session because at that point I can go and hang with some people and the people that I'm that, that are making me curious because they might be a little bit, you know, they might come across as a bit different to me. I'm probably trying to spend time understanding them. Yeah, so so it, from what I'm hearing from what you're saying is the value really vary depending on the players that you're working with. You don't have like a set sort of these are the values I'm trying to instill or work with or, or spot in my players. Um, yeah, and, and, and probably the thing I do have is, so the, so the RFD rugby would have its values. We would have treads, so teamwork, respect, enjoyment, discipline, sportsmanship. And so I guess that would also be a framework for me of, if, if I'm coaching rugby, then luck was, you know, is... Let's let's play a game around teamwork. So actually, we're going to score points around teamwork, and we're gonna we're gonna yeah. We've done a couple of things. We were at Harrow School once, and we played the brave. One of their uh, values is bravery. So we played the bravery mm -hmm. game. So and just ask them what does bravery look like? What type of things? Uh, it's actually it's actually giving your friends you know some positive feedback. That's actually quite a tough thing to do at this age. Uh, it's actually, you know, we've got a plan, but someone changes the direction of it. It's so. Um, I think I would try and understand what's, you know, people's contexts. I'm obviously not always coaching rugby in England. Sometimes I'm coaching, you know, soccer in another country, and I would be curious as to as to what they value. That's awesome, and I love your bravery example there. Um, using bravery to, you know, get adolescent or people to even tell each other what they've done well can be challenging, you know, getting a group to open up like that. So um, that's a great example. So thank you for that. You've definitely unlocked the next level. Um, so the, ne the next one on um, Rusty's report card is around feedback, which should be um, 
you know, to be effective, really, you should think about being more constructive rather than negative or critical. Um, I'm going to start. Do you want the good news or the bad news, Rusty? Uh, bad news, please. <laughs> now I'm teasing you. Look, there was one point, one point where you said, no one's thinking. Um, where would we put that in the constructive box or would we stick that in the negative and critical box? Um, can we put it in the raising awareness box? <laughs> so, okay, can I, can I give you an idea, just an, an idea about how you could perhaps to flip that into a more constructive one that stays in the box? Would that be okay? I would love that. <laughs> So one way you could flip that a little bit would be to say something like, what should you be thinking about now? Or what, you know, what could be, what could you be thinking about now? Um, or when that particular um, moment happened in the game. So you're asking them to think and focus or think about what they should be focusing their thinking on rather than because saying no one's thinking now doesn't tell them what to think. Or not that you're trying to tell them what to think, that sounds terrible, but um, I mean, it doesn't tell them, it doesn't give them a step of what to do um, in that sense. So I think it has the same effect um, around raising awareness, but um, perhaps flips it to get them thinking. I don't know what your thoughts are on that uh, note on your report card. Um, I agree wholeheartedly with it. I'm definitely trying to do more towards rather than away from language. It's something I'm very mindful of uh, on Zoom as an example, because we're in a two-dimensional world now. So if I'm presenting, I'll often ask, say stuff like, I don't know if you can imagine what this might look like in your world, or um, I would, you know, it might be worth taking a few minutes to think about how you might translate this into your world. So uh, I appreciate the fact you've given me that feedback. Uh, Lara, I probably needed it. Uh, it's, uh, it's something I'm really mindful of at the moment because um, Zoom is like a, is a really different world. I'm finding it's quite hard for people like I guess me and you who are used to hanging with other people and being with them and seeing reactions and, and being able to notice stuff and just that little head tilt in or that little kind of look upwards or um, so I'm, I'm definitely finding, I'm probably having to become more skilled at it at the moment because you've got to really notice hard in two dimensions. Absolutely. It's, it, I mean, I've found that a teacher at university and I found that, yeah, a massive challenge this semester. I'm very used to teaching, so yeah. Your sound's cut out, Rusty. I couldn't hear you then. Uh, no, I didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm oh. Rusty. Tell me when to go. Yeah, you can go. So, Rusty, I lied to you earlier. Do you want to know what the lie was? Um, I can't believe Laura Mossman would lie. <laughs> I told you, do you want the good news or bad news? It's actually, do you want the bad news or the bad news? If you want oh, the next bit. No. <laughs> um, my next bit, no, this is, I noticed that a lot of the feedback you give the players when they were playing was nice. You'd say to them, nice, you know, they didn't move. Where would you sit that if we were constructive, negative or critical? Uh, I think it's pointless. Um, so uh, this was really interesting. So when I was in, um, oh, where was I? I was up in the Northwest. I was at Lim Rugby Club. And I said this to everyone. I said, oh my, I've just become aware. So probably like start of this year, maybe end of last year, I became really aware from watching videos that I use the word nice excessively. And so what they did was, and this was quite good from them, they took bets at the start of the evening without telling me on how many times I would say the word nice and, uh, <laughs> and made it competitive. And it was ridiculous. In, in, in two hours, it was probably like, I don't know, like, I think it was about 62 or something ridiculous. Um, 
So I've become really aware of it. I just haven't solved the problem yet. Um, it's definitely my coaching tip. Um, I'm, I'm hoping there are worse coaching tips, but uh, uh, I've, uh, my thought experiment at the moment is if, if I was to redo that session and I was to only be allowed 12 interactions and they all had to be uh, transformational, then I would definitely take out the word nice. That, that, that's lovely and thank you for being so good humoured when you did say to me in a, a message to me that I could go as hard on you as, as I liked and so I thought you know I'll take you actual word um, what I was going to say in terms of a, a tip or if you'd like me to give you a tip around that I'm not sure uh, yes please Laura I would love you to give me a tip so yeah, I think what you've said is great. I think is is having that really considered, you know, reducing the amount of time to giving feedback, but really making it more impactful. So instead of yeah, just saying something like nice, say, um, you know, it was great when you um, moved wide after making that pass because. So again, it's not about I'm pleased that you moved wide, you know, that I thing. Um, but it's great when you move wide because, and maybe it's like it opened up space for, um, you know, the opposition, uh, for your own team, or maybe it confused the opposition as to where the pass was going, the next pass was going. Um, but it's just having that really targeted feedback. So um, I, I, I think that maybe you could reduce that um, if you start to actually think, what's my targeted piece of feedback here that's very specific? But I don't know what your thoughts are on that. My thoughts are exactly the same as yours. I'm hoping it was less than at Lim, where it was just like every other word, quite frankly. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really aware of it, and you've now hit it home even harder. So um, I think I might replace it with the word bad, terrible, rubbish. So every time I say nice, as a result of that, I then have to say terrible after it. So that I won't want to say terrible, so I'll stop saying nice. Yeah. And there's, look, there's nothing wrong, like, you can definitely say it. It's just, I, I was really just thought, okay, there's a few times that you were saying it, and it's worth thinking about, like, substituting some of those. I wouldn't say eliminate them. I don't think it's, that it's necessary to do that, but um, certainly think about replacing some of them with very specific, you know, informational type feedback for, for your players. Rusty? You've made it to the very last challenge card. Are you ready for me to give you that to unlock the end of your report card? I'm ready, Laura. I'm excited. <laughs> Lovely. So the last um, Magic Card Academy card that I have is players to lead feedback and review of coaches. My question to you is, what's the toughest bit of feedback you have received from a player and how did you respond? So I've got a couple of examples. Um, with England 18s, we got the players to design some challenge cards for us. Uh, James Scott delivered mine to me. He's a wonderful human being. I love him. So it's always, uh, it's always impactful. Uh, you have to be able to answer your own questions. Uh, you can only speak about defence. So two things. Uh, one, I probably asked too many questions. <laughs> and the second one, uh, he spoke... Uh, I was coaching defence, but I'm a little bit obsessed with attack. It probably made me realise like how aware the players are of stuff that you don't think you're aware of. Um, the other one I always talk about is, is the one at ACS Cobham last year in August when... Um, uh, a, a kid, and I'm pleased, he just said, oh, Rusty, um, I've got some feedback if, you, if you're interested. And I said, yeah, 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 cool. He said, that's the worst session I've ever done. Um, and we started to talk about why, and so um, I loved your face there, Laura. Um, and it was a gamification session, and his dad was in the military, and he never had to make decisions in his life, and it was too much. And it was classic me, and talk about this a lot, but I'm at that stage and I'm getting better at it uh, in the same way I'm getting better at saying nice less. Um, I was um, missing out on the kids that were struggling and it was about a 30 person session. So once again, I've probably become more mindful of where I stand. 
if there's none of the coaches with me, how do I help the players, support other players? Um, so yeah, I've had a couple in the last few uh, few years that have that have been really impactful. Uh, Marcus Smith. So I asked Marcus, um, how do you want your feedback? What would be more helpful for you than? And and he just said, look, you need to give me more stuff in the moment. And so that's cool, isn't it? So, so those moments resonate. They have impact on my coaching. I did have to, you know, when he said that was the worst session ever, I had to go, oh, thanks very much. I appreciate that feedback whilst dying inside. I mean, fair play to him. <laughs> he, he definitely, like, he didn't do it in front of anyone, so he thought about it. I mean, he's a 17-year-old kid. It's pretty, pretty skillful from him. He asked me for permission. Rusty, do you want some feedback? Um, so that was, I mean, he, he did some cool stuff around how he delivered the feedback to me, and it definitely had impact. I mean, you have actually been handed a gift on a plate there. If a player is brave enough to come up and say to you, you know, this session didn't work for me, um, you know, you've got a really great learning opportunity as a coach there to say, well, what, you know, why didn't it work? What were the factors that really affected um, you've been able to engage in that session? Um, and, you know, what do you think would have made a difference? So they're really, you know, good questions that you can ask to really understand that, that the type of player that maybe you don't naturally connect with or, or read as well. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a useful advice, Laura. Have I, um, is that it? Have I, have I achieved boss level on this session? You've, you've got to the end of your report card. You've managed to game up every single level, which is fantastic. <laughs> the only, um, closing comments I had for you were um, to say thank you very much for sending me through um, your episode seven, the one with Adam podcast. Um, I really would and would encourage your listeners to listen to the bit where um, she talks about, or you mentioned, or she's talking about emotion in players, and um, you talk about this just saying to a player, "I can see you're upset." Um, so another thing that we haven't really touched on in this particular discussion is around acknowledging players' feelings um, and their perspective. And there's a, some really nice um, examples in that podcast. Um, and you described that kind of approach as a, being a game changer for you. Yeah, look, so Sally's stuff in the same way, you know, I've been really fortunate to meet lots of people who've had impact. Um, you definitely have. Sally's stuff around just getting alongside people, maybe taking your shoes off so you can understand what it's like to be in their shoes um, from a physical point of view, but also, I guess, from an emotional point of view, is something that I'm working harder on. My wife will tell you that it still needs lots of work. Um, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's a great shout out to Sally as well. I mean, I think there's some, there's some cool stuff she's doing. Yeah, it's awesome. Definitely worth a listen. Um, and my final closing comment was, what's with the writing on your hand? <laughs> um, actually, something I've started doing more of is just having a blank piece of paper so I can keep some reflections from sessions and start to stack them up over time and look at what kind of themes emerge and what stuff am I getting right and getting wrong, if that's the right way to say it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm often because I'm, I'm probably my memory isn't as good as it used to be. But I'm always thinking, what, what have I noticed? What might be useful to write on my hand? Um, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's keeping me busy and entertained. But but actually, so I mean, I'll, I'll actually talk about this the other day. So I coached uh, the GB student sevens team, and one way I found of the and my messaging to the players being more impactful was to write it on different parts of my body. So I was in better physical shape back then, so I was more comfortable with it. But actually saying, look, you've, I've just met this guy over there from Romania, and he's, he's told me a story about how he thinks we can beat the South Africans. And, but it, I, 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 wasn't, I didn't want to forget it, so I just wrote it on my chest here. So if, what do people think? Do we think it's a good idea type stuff? So... Um, it's not just my hand that I write on on my body. Wow, I've learned a fun 
fact about you that I will not forget. Um, <laughs> and I just wanted to thank you for being such a good sport because I know you're sort of supposed to be interviewing me, but I, I gained your own podcast and you didn't, you were very good sport in allowing me to do that. I, I think you probably worked it out, but what I was actually trying to do was um, have a reflective coaching conversation with you around some coaching of yours that I've watched um, on, you know, on video. And I think um, Susie Brown definitely talks about this in, in some of her podcasts that I've listened to, but that importance of being reflective and reflective practice as a coach in terms of our, you know, your development and things like that. So I hope, um, I think you are, you know, you a great example of a coach that is constantly learning and constantly saying, how can I improve? How can I do this better? Um, and going out to all different ideas and working out what works for you. So um, thank you for, for being a good sport as well and letting me um, get you to reflect, you know, in a recording, basically. <laughs> nice. Lara, thank you so much for hacking our podcast. Uh, you're the... <laughs> the first person to ever hack it so you're the probably the second person to have two podcasts but you're the first person to hack it and uh, i think amy price will be a little bit jealous that you've gamified our podcast um it's been a pleasure um I'll, I'll 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 tag you into the pod so people can kind of connect up with you and reach out um stay safe in melbourne um i'm, I'm looking forward to part three at some stage Oh, thank you. I haven't scared you off then, obviously. That's, that's lovely. Um, <laughs> and thank you very much. I really appreciate um, you giving me this opportunity to have this chat. I've learned so much from you as well. So it um, goes both ways, I think, very much so. Cool. Thanks, Laura. Have an awesome evening. And you. Oh, you have an awesome morning. <laughs>